Welcome to Feel Better, Live More Bite Size, your weekly dose of positivity and optimism to get you ready for the weekend. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1 from Athletic Greens, one of the most nutrient-dense whole food supplements that I've come across. It contains vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and so much more, and I myself take it regularly. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash live more to access a very special offer. They are giving my listeners five fantastic travel packs and one year supply of vitamin D free of charge with your first order. See your details at athleticgreens.com forward slash live more. Today's clip is from episode 269 of the podcast with my good friend, Dr. Rupi Orjula. Now, Rupi defied medical expectations and reversed his heart condition by transforming his diet. And in this clip, we discuss why food can be medicine and how you can eat your way to better health. We're both really passionate about the healing power of food and what it can do for a whole variety of different conditions. But I think what happened to you in your early 20s really shows just how powerful food can be. Mm. You've gone deep into the weeds of the science of nutrition and how it can help. Mm. If you reflect back now, what do you think was going on, right? What was going on that you were having heart problems, scary heart problems, right? At such a young age, what do you think changing your diet and lifestyle actually did? Have you thought about that? Have yeah. you got some ideas? I thought about it a lot. In my end of one case, it's likely going to be a bunch of different things. So we can look at the microbiota, for example, the population of microbes that live in and around us, all over our body, largely concentrated in the large intestine, foundational to our health, inseparable from well-being. We know now about what it can do to improve the lining of the gut, improving the functioning of our natural immune system, how it impacts with our mood, how it impacts on inflammation pathways, how it balances sugar. What I was doing by changing my diet very broadly, without going to specifics, from a pretty processed diet, if if I look back on it and actually look at it with more of a critical eye, to something that was more whole food. And it doesn't need to be like raw food. It didn't it wasn't anywhere near as well as I eat today, even yeah. actually. It was just better than it the norm. It was just better than the norm, exactly. That would have had a dramatic impact, as we can see now from yeah. research on improving the functioning of those microbes that include bacteria, fungi, viruses, nematodes, a whole selection of different microbes that we're learning a lot more about even today. And that shift can happen very quickly. I know in my case, it took quite a a while before I I observed quite quite an impressive uh, reversal of my condition. But even in some studies, as short as a few days, you can drastically change the population of your microbes. So me consistently eating well yeah. and changing it from process to unprocessed would have definitely had an impact on multiple levels. Do you think that was within a year of it starting? Yeah, it was, it was uh, just over a year. Just over a year. Over so a year. about a year or so since quite a scary thing happening at 24. Yeah. And a condition, atrial fibrillation, which 
people wouldn't naturally draw a link between diet and lifestyle. I think mm. what's so powerful about that for me is that when we talk about foods and its impact on our health, I think for many years, the prevailing narrative in society and within our profession is, yeah, we can see a role with obesity and type 2 diabetes, right? There's just kind of an, an obvious link there. Mm. But I don't think that link has been made for many years with other things, mm. whether it's how fast we age, depression, gut problems, libido, heart, electrical heart issues, atrial fibrillation. Mm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think that really speaks to this healing power of food and that you change your diet and your lifestyle and you no longer have atrial fibrillation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that that <clears throat> mismatch between how powerful diet can be for a collection of different issues yeah. that has plagued our thinking around diet and lifestyle in general. Like you eloquently demonstrated on your show the impact of diet and lifestyle beyond the traditional yeah. ways in which we we view it, which is cardiovascular disease, reducing cholesterol and obesity. Uh, no one's really going to argue much with that. But when you're applying those same principles, which are very simple, to mood, to chronic pain, to cognitive disorders, brain fog, all these issues, you, you then see the links. Yeah. That it's, it's all foundational. So what I was doing in retrospect was building the resilience for my body to look after itself. And that is something that I want to try and instill as, in as much people as possible because I think the 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 term food as medicine can be sometimes uh, misinterpreted as food as the pharmaceutical, food as a pill. The, one of the things I wrote about in my first book, actually, food is not a pill. It's not a symptom killer. It's a way in which you can build a more resilient body and yeah. mind such that it can take care of itself. And it sounds a bit out there, but that's generally what I believe and what I can see from yeah. the research. So the gut microbiome is one thing that now with all the knowledge you've got reflecting back, it's like, well, I, I had more whole foods, less refined processed foods. So my gut health improves. And as my gut health improves, that can help a whole variety of different things in my body. Mm. Any other theories? Absolutely. So by having a lot more greens in my diet, just general greens, yeah. I mean, I was having whatever I could at that point in time. We know, looking at inflammation pathways, the impact that greens can have at a cellular level. So they they have a what we call a hormetic effect. So people see foods that we intake as having a direct anti-inflammatory effect, i.e. when I have turmeric, for example, that's going to reduce my inflammation levels. Actually, what's happening is that it is activating our endogenous anti-inflammatory pathways. So having a mild aggressor like turmeric actually does, it actually aggravates some of our cells. We have a net benefit overall. Yeah. I use the analogy of exercise. So when you when you exercise, you're actually shearing your muscles. You're creating yeah. quite a stressful event in in your in your muscles and your physiology. Puts your blood pressure up, increased cortisol levels, increased sugar. You know, if you looked at a at a snapshot, it doesn't look like a very healthy thing to be doing. But the net effect on that on dementia, on mood, on cardiovascular disease, massive improvements. So at a similar level, that's 
kind of what we're doing with food as well. So me having a collection of all these phytonutrient-rich foods, so these, these plant-chemical-rich foods, was having that net benefit at an inflammation level in yeah. my cells as well. So that, that's definitely another element of it. So you've got the microbiota, you've got inflammation. Something else that I think is harder to prove in my case was perhaps having a selection of different foods that were nutrient dense that had more things like magnesium in or selenium or uh, vitamin B12. What, what does nutrient dense mean to you? So nutrient dense to me means less processed such that it contains a lot more of those bioavailable micronutrients. So things like vitamins and minerals, but also those plant chemicals of which we know there are thousands. Polyphenols come up quite a bit in things like berries and coffee um, and other anti-inflammatory uh, chemicals that you find in greens like sulforaphane, indole-3-carbonyl, all the indoles, all the glucosinolates. That for me is, is nutrient dense. And, and when you look at that processing pathway, that the, um, uh, the, the spectrum of processed versus unprocessed, yeah. the more refined your food, the less nutrient dense it is because we're stripping away bit by bit all those different nutrients. It, it's incredible. You were, you were describing there all kinds of benefits that you get from, let's say, greens. Mm. The way you were talking... It made me think that within these foods is a whole pharmacy of medicinal compounds that are doing different things. Mm. Let, let's talk about food as medicine. Yeah. Because for me, you know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about food medicine. Is food medicine? So to me it is. And I've got to say to having used that term with many of my patients for years, I found it to be helpful. Mm. And I, I feel I've never had any feedback from my patients saying, actually, that term is quite confusing for me. I don't like it. So I'm biased by my own experience with tens of thousands of patients. Mm. But for me, there's like literal, cultural and philosophical reasons why I think food is medicine. Philosophically, I think we're living in an era now where you know, about 80 to 90% of what we see as doctors is in some way related to our collective modern lifestyles. So therefore, if we don't give lifestyle and nutrition the same weight mm. as pharmaceutical interventions, well, I say the same weight, if we don't talk about them in that way, it's always going to be deemed as inferior. You know, that the classic case, someone comes in to see their doctor with a new diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, Doctor spends the first nine minutes out of the 10 minutes talking about the blood results and metformin and the fact that you're going to need more medications and you'll end up on insulin. And then as you're walking out the door, mm. oh, and if you can just, you know, maybe go to the gym and change your diet a little bit, that may help. Well, what message does that patient get? It's like, yeah, there's diet and lifestyle there, but it's really about me taking this medication. Mm. Yeah. So I think philosophically, given what we're now afflicted with what's bankrupting healthcare systems all over the world, I think it's time to elevate the status of foods and lifestyle in terms of what we view as medicine. Um, but, but also, I think there's a cultural element to this, which you touched on with your mum. Yeah. And I, I think to some cultures, certainly, you know, we've got Indian backgrounds, this idea that food is not medicine is just an alien concept. 
I don't think my family would understand that. I don't think my grandparents would even understand the question. What do you, what do you mean? You know, we were brought up in such a way that, you know, I'm, I've got a slight cold at the moment. So what was I, <laughs> literally before you arrived, I'm doing what my mum taught me to do <laughs> when I was little, when I had a sore throat, which is, um, you know, hot water, finely cut ginger, pepper, yeah. turmeric, yeah. and manuka honey. That's literally <laughs> what I was drinking all morning so that I can uh, have this conversation with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if, if any of that fits with you or not, but that's, that's kind of yeah. my take on it and why I passionately believe it is. But I'll also, before before you respond, I also want to say, look, if that term doesn't work for people as well, I'm okay with that. Mm, yeah, right? totally. If, if that doesn't fit your belief system totally cool but absolutely. i think it's hard to make the case that food isn't super super powerful absolutely yeah and i think uh i completely agree with that analogy of of looking at food in those different elements cultural philosophy it's it's very very ingrained in us and it's very easy for us to understand but certainly for someone who doesn't come from that background yeah. who hasn't been brought up with that i can understand why it can be a little bit off-putting yeah. for whatever reason I, I i get that but for the reasons that we need to take nutritional medicine a lot more importantly, I think it's important, just as you said, to elevate the conversation around food in all environments, clinical, academic, culturally, day-to-day, yeah. -day, the food environment. And if you just look at the stats, I mean, like one in five deaths globally diet-related, increasing the likelihood of uh, mental health disorders by 43% if you're on a westernized diet. If you look at the number of cancers that are related to diet and lifestyle, it's around anywhere between 25 and 30%, depending on where you look at all these different sources yeah. from. The WHO, all these huge institutions are all recognizing the impact that diet is having. It can have conversely the positive impact as well. I'm I'm an example of how that can be in, a, in an extreme way, but also just generally looking at, like you said, the issues that are afflicting healthcare systems globally and causing the most amount of cost and damage to people's livelihoods and their ability to live dis disability-free lives, it's having a huge, yeah. huge impact. And that's why we need to talk about it a lot more. And let me just be clear. I still don't know what the root cause of my illness was. Be I, I believe that it was food. I believe it was stress. Was it other things? Was it movement? Was it sleep? Was it all the other things going on? I, I don't really know. But I know that the solution will always be doing what I yeah. did naturally. And that's what we need to scale up to as many people as possible. All nutritional medicine is about is optimizing your physiology such that your body knows how to look after itself. So going, looping back to what I was talking about with me earlier, this is what we do with nutritional medicine. There's no, it's not like a food for every symptom. It's not a specific yeah. thing that you need to change in your, in your diet to have this desired outcome. It is really about leveling up and improving your physiology such that you can engage in those innate mechanisms that know how to prevent disease in the first place. Hope you enjoyed that bite-sized clip. Do spread the love by sharing this episode with your friends and family. And if you want more, why not go back and listen to the original full conversation with my guest. If you enjoyed this episode, I think you will really enjoy my bite-sized Friday email. It's called the Friday Five. And each week I share things that I do not share on social media. 
It contains five short doses of positivity, articles or books that I'm reading, quotes that I'm thinking about, exciting research I've come across, and so much more. I really think you're going to love it. The goal is for it to be a small yet powerful dose of feel good to get you ready for the weekend. You can sign up for it free of charge at drchatterjee.com forward slash Friday Five. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you have pressed subscribe and I'll be back next week with my long form conversation on Wednesday and the latest episode of Bite Science next Friday.